A special thank you to Moshe Brickturin and family of Miami, Florida for sponsoring this week's shir. May it be a schus for them and a bracha for Hatzlacha in all things. And of course, special thanks to Kihlat Chaverim and Nachlaot Yerushalayim for hosting the shir. Zemi Shmuel in, in Lechacha starts off with a, examining a very famous medrash that um, is a beautiful mushal, it's a parable, but then he has some very powerful questions on it. Our pressure starts off, Vayom Rashem al Avram, Okay, now, part of what we're going to be dealing with, part of what we should have in the background, that puzzles everyone who went to school and got taught about Avram Avinu, and then learns the parasha, is that all the cool stories in the Medrash about him smashing his father's idols in the store, and his whole battle with Nimrod and getting tossed into Urkastim, not in the Chumash. On the Chumash we see is there's somebody named Avram, and Hashem says, Lech lecha. you've got to go on a mission. Now, I think I mentioned last week, the Maharal said part of the reason for that is, is so that no Jew should think that our status as Amisol is dependent on the fact that we behave like Avram Avinu. If the story was there, and it, so to speak, implied, because of this, Hashem took Avram, so therefore I would say, okay, but I'm not like Avram, so maybe I'm not in. That's one approach. We'll see some others tonight. But here's the Moshe. Amr Avi Yitzchak. Moshe Lechad Sheyover Mimakom Lamakom. It's a parable to a person who was traveling from place to place. Vra'a bira achat toleket. He saw a bira, translate as a castle, Doleket. Doleket has a variety of translations that we're going to get to. The simplest one will have on fire. You see a beautiful castle. The castle's on fire. And nobody seems to be doing anything about it. Amar, he said, Can it be that this castle has nobody running it, in charge of it? So the master of the castle peeked out at him. Amarlo, anihu balhabira. I'm in charge of the castle. And the parable. Okay. Kach. Now the nimsho, the application is. The fisha yavram omer tomar lama manhik. Can it be that this world, this amazing world, this universe, doesn't have someone running it, leading it? Hitzitzalava kadosh baruchu, kadosh baruchu peeked out at him. Vamar lo, he said, anihu baal olam. I am the master of the universe. And that led to Vayomer Hashem al-Avram Okay, so, again, taking the mushal in the simplest way to start, we can't understand why you look at the world like a burning castle. A castle is something that implies intelligent design. It's designed to be beautiful. Clearly somebody invested in it, put in it, but yet you see that it's on fire. And you're wondering if somebody is invested so much in the castle, why is he not doing something about the fire? So too we have a world which is incredibly beautiful, which cries out the intelligent design of the Creator, but it's also a world of so much pain and so much sometimes corruption and degradation that goes on. So this is the story of Avram Avinu here. Now, the question the Shem Shmuel asks, Wait a second, he says, it's a beautiful medrash, but this doesn't make sense. 
He said, according to the other Midrashim that we learned, Avram Avinu came to the truth long before Lechacha. There are different opinions in Chazal as to how old Avram Avinu was when he came to this truth of the one God, the one creator of the world. There is one opinion that it was three years old. But the other opinions go up to 40 or 48 years old. Okay? But even 48 years old was a long time before Lech Lecha. Rashi says that the statement of Lech Lecha, when Hashem spoke to him and said Lech Lecha, that that was when he was 70 years. Others say it's 75. So what the Shem Shmuel says, how can it be that just immediately prior to Lech Lecha, Ramavin was thinking, how can it be? Is there a master to this universe or not? He reached the conclusion to that decades before. Not only did he reach it, but he stood for it so much that Nimrod threw him into, or cast him into the fire, and he gave up his life rather than to compromise on that truth that he had. So how can it be that here he's still at the point of wondering, is there somebody there? That's what's tricky. I want to open a parenthesis a second, though. I feel I should. When we do talk about this incident of Urkastim and Avram Avinu being set into the fire. Okay, the Medrash says that Avram Avinu had his face off with Nimrod. Okay, it's uh, described very dramatically. And, uh, right, that Terach was embarrassed that Avram Avinu was uh, destroying his idols and such. And it was a shame for the family. And Nimrod, who was the leader of the opinions that were the opposite of Avram, so he came to debate with Avram Avinu. And um, Nimrod said, Nizgud Lenora. In Aramaic it says, okay, let's worship fire. So Avram said, well, maybe we should worship water because water puts out fire. Nimrod said, I'm with that. I'm down for that. Let's, let's worship water. Avram Avinu said, but maybe we should worship clouds because the water all ends up going to the clouds and the clouds hold the water. He said, good, let's do that. But Avram said, but maybe worship the wind that scatters the clouds. Nimrod was good for that too. He says, but maybe we should worship people because even when the winds blow, people will find ways to stand up to that. And... Nimrod then goes back to the beginning He says, you're just, you know, messing with me I'm going to worship the fire And I'm going to throw you into that fire That I worship And this will kind of end the conversation Okay, so He threw Avram in Now And he told him, he says If you, this God that you believe in exists Let him save you Now, Avram had a brother called Haran He had two brothers that are identified in the Torah Nachor and Haran Haran was there, so he was unsure. He was unsure who was right, Avram or Nimrod. And he was thinking, okay, we see what happens here. If Avram wins, I go with him. If Nimrod wins, I go with him. So Avram Avinu was thrown into the fire, and he was survived. Nothing happened to him. So Haran said... I'm with Avram. And Nimrod took Haran and threw him into the fire and he was burnt up and died. Now, when I learned that as a kid, we kind of, you know, scoffed at Haran. 
Yeah, that's what you get for being a fence sitter. That's what you get for being wishy-washy, not sticking up for Avraham Avinu from the beginning. But that isn't what's really happening here. Ramesh Shapiro's Zetzal taught us the following. He said, you have to realize, Avraham Avinu had this tremendous clarity. His clarity was so strong that there's a fascinating medrash that says, until Am Yisrael said the Shira after Kriyas Yamsuf at Oz Yoshir, nobody in the world said Shira. And the Midrash gives examples, and one of the examples is, Avram Avinu Nitzal Miyar Kastim, Avram Avinu was saved from the fire of Kastim, below Amar Shira. So, Rav Yosef Yehuda Bloch, the tells the Rosh Hashiva, the Rav tells us, your site was just today, he said, what does that mean Avram Avinu didn't say Shira? He was an ingrate? He says, no, just, it was really clear to Avram Avinu that the fire should not have power over him. He was so totally identified with the truth that that, wouldn't, that was the way the world should be. He should not be burnt. So if Moshe said, Haran, after he saw what had happened to Avram, he was convinced that Avram was right, but he also knew that Nimrod would throw him into the fire and he would not survive. He knew that he was not Avram Avinu. He could see that Avram Avinu's path was right, but he had not developed himself to be an Avram Avinu. He gave up his life for the truth. He died al Kiddush Hashem. And from him came something very special. Every year I have to draw a little diagram because I forget it. All the Imahos came from Haran. All of our mothers are descendants of Avram's brother Haran. How's it work? The Pesach says that Haran had two daughters. Yiska and Milka. Yiska is another name for Sarimi. Now Milka had a son called Besuel. And Besuel had two kids, Rivka and her brother Lovan. So Rivka, who's the wife of Yitzhak, and Lovan had two daughters, Rachel and Leah, who became the most the wives of Yaakov. So all of our mothers came from Haran. Ramosha said it's a mitzvah to be saying that I believe he said it in the name of the Chazan Sofer, to realize that his sacrifice did not go unanswered, but he had a tremendous contribution into making us and our people who they were. It's a fascinating thing to know. But meanwhile, going back to our question, it seems clear from there that Avram Avinu was really, like they say in Yeshivish language, holding. Right? He he really had it. The fire didn't burn him, he was willing to jump into the fire. And here we bump into him having, is there a manhig to the bira? Is there a master of the castle? So the Shemishmuel takes us on a journey that starts with another medrash. The medrash says that Avram Avinu was worried because he had been involved in the earlier part of his life in idolatry. Right? Again, if, according to the opinion that he reached the truth at three, I don't know how much idolatry he did at one and two, but certainly according to the other opinions, right, he had a long life of idolatry. There's a Gemara that says that the Masechta, the tractate of Avodah of idolatry of Avram Avinu, was far bigger and more detailed than the tractate of Avodah that we have. He understood it, he was involved in it much more. And here it says in the Mekrish, He was afraid. He said, Avon, Shaiti Oveda Zara Kola Shanim 
Am I able to rid myself of this? Is this not handicapping me? The fact that I served idolatry for all those years. Amar lo HaKadosh Baruch Hu Hashem said to him, Lecha tal yaldutecha. Apostle from Tilam. He says, to you is the dew, D-E-W, of your youth. Just as this dew floats up and evaporates, so too your sins fly up, evaporate. So it's a beautiful sounding medrash, but it's hard to figure out the terms and the comparisons. He says, why do you call sins dew? Why, why, why would you compare the two? He says, if you just want to take an example of something that goes up, up, and away, right, compare it to birds or something. Say, your sins will fly away like birds. The, the flying up of dew when the sun shines is imperceptible. It's, it's evaporation. He says, and, and it says, why do we say that your sins will, will fly? Lifroach means to fly up. Since when the, the sins fly? He says, grammatically, if you wanted to say, your sins will leave you, so it would have to say, porchim mimcha. They will fly away from you. But here it just says, they'll fly. Okay? It's, uh, it's strange. So here he says a fascinating thing. And um, what he's teaching us here about do, I have to preface, he says it matter-of-factly, I heard a lecture once from Professor Botney in the University of Tel Aviv who was troubled very much about the Tal, about the Du. Why? He says Jews make a big thing about Tal. Right now we've asked the Tain Talumatali Vracha. That's kicked in. There's the Tfilah of Tal that we say on Pesach. We mention Morida Tal according to many Nuschot. So he said, I was curious from a scientific botanical outlook, what does do do? D-E-W-D-O. Right? What does the do do? So, he says, I looked in the books of botany and almost all of them said it does virtually nothing. Do does not provide a significant amount of water to nourish the plant. They said it may even be detrimental because as the plant is moist, it's more susceptible to fungus and may attract more bugs. So do, they said, may be impressive to poets, but in terms of science and botany, it does nothing. So this man, who was actually a religious man, the professor, he says, I felt that that couldn't be. And he went out and he had a machine that measured photosynthesis. Okay, the major process inside a plant is the process of photosynthesis. That's how it creates its growth and energy. And he says, in dry climates, like most of Israel, he discovered that when the leaves of the plant are wet in the morning, so then plant leaves, if you remember your high school biology, they have these little openings called stomata. He says if the leaves are damp, the stomata open more and longer. That increases the photosynthesis of the plant, and that makes the plant grow more. He says, again, all of our tefillos of tal and such are based on the agricultural cycle of Eretzi soil and the plants of Eretz Yisrael. So he says that's exactly what it does. It's not there to water the plant, but it's there to energize the plant's growth processes to enable the plant to grow more. The Shemesh Shmuel says this as a no-brainer. 
without going out into the desert with a photosynthesis machine and making graphs, right? He says, the Tal, right? It doesn't last on the plants. It doesn't stay there. He says, it's the dew is not doing nothing. It awakens the natural moisture and energy that are in the plants themselves. Exactly what he said there. Okay, so now how does this compare to Avram Avinu? He says, Avram Avinu didn't have a teacher. Again in the Medrash. Amar Abishimon Avlo Lindo, his father Terach certain didn't teach him. Ravlo Hayalo. He didn't have a Rebbe. Ramesh Shapiro pointed out that he was far away geographically from Shem, who was in Yerushalayim. Right, it was the only potential teacher who could be there. Okay? But he went on his search himself. He searched and he thought. But the question is, why did he search? What awakened him to search, to look, to try to find Hashem? So, he says, it was actually everything that he did. All the idolatry that he served. Avraham Avinu, yeah. As far as he went, and he said that he went with his generation down into the depths of degradation. Of all behavior, he says that the nation, that the generation at that time were ochlin v'shotin upochazin. They were eating and drinking and partying. That's what was happening in that generation, and Avraham Avinu went with them. And he saw that the entire world, kol ha'olam, was in Shval Madriga, was in the lowest level. Tovim bin they were sinking, they were deep down in the depths, each one serving their own idol for their own purposes and living a corrupt life. And Avram Avinu said, this can't be what it's about. This can't be what a human being is for. That can't be what this world is for. So therefore, he said, "Bishvil ze atzmo." Because of this itself, shergish baatzmo shigia lekzei haacharon. Avram Avinu said, "I reached bottom. I went all the way to the end, at as deep as you could go of kilkul, of corruption and destruction." He torer mishnato that awakened him. Machshov, machshavot lachlok al dat haamon. That he started to think of. Thoughts in other ways than everybody else in the world. One of the explanations given for Avraham Ivri, that Avram me'ever achad, he was on one side, and the rest of the world from the other side. And therefore, Avram Avinu realized and thought, and he says, no, this world cries out that there's a creator, this world and a human being, it cries out that there's a purpose for this. It has to be. So therefore, his Averot were like the Tal. His Averot were that which brought him to his greatness. Says the Shem Yishmu, when it says the Averot Porchot, it really means that they fly. They fly, he says, to bring a reach nichach b'ashamayim, to bring a sweet scent to Hashem, because that's what's really meant by tshuva me'ahava. That if you realize that you've reached a place that's so far down, and that fills you with a yearning for something more, for realizing it can't be this. I want to connect to what it's really about. So those Averot have become precious. And those are like the dew that simply awakened in you 
the potential that you had in yourself. Now, without this, he says, He says, it could be that without Avraham's original transgressions, that went all the way deep, deep, deep to the end, he may have never walked that path of asking and thinking and trying to find Hashem. So he says, therefore, that was what awakened him. That's why the Tal is that image. However, he says, you have to realize that Avram Avinu was discovering everything through negation. Right? There's, I forget what it's called, he refers to, he says in mathematics, there's an idea of proving something by the opposite. Anybody know what that's called? Dialectics. Yeah, that you, you prove, okay, it can't be this, so it must be this. And he said that was the path that Avram walked. He was sure, 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 100% that there was something else. But he didn't know what that something else was. He surmised that there's a oneness, that there is something, this creator that was behind there, but he only reached it by negating everything. Okay? And that path of negating is not the ultimate place to go. That's done in humanity many times. There are many people like Avram Avinu who do walk that path and say, wait a second, there's got to be more to life than this. This can't be what it's for. But then they're left with a question mark. And they try all sorts of things to try to make life meaningful or to do or to guess what it is or what it's about. He says here is where Lech Lecha came in. This is where Nevuah came in. This is where Hashem appeared to Avram and said, now that you've reached that place and you're saying, Tomar manhik, it wasn't that Avram Avinu doubted that there was a manhik. He had surmised it by negating everything else. But he says, I can't understand how the world is like this. There's got to be someone running. But without the Nevoah, without the mission of Lechacha, he didn't know what that is. He didn't know what that was. And that begins the journey of us. That begins the journey of the Jewish people. Ramon Shapiro used to say that really every human being should walk that pathway of Avram Avinu to understanding that there is that oneness before him. But the story of the Jewish people begins with Lechacha, with being able to see this place. Correct. In other words, he says a person that looks to the world, right, and examines it. Many philosophers have tried to look and see. So you say, on one hand, I have my survival instincts. I have my animal urges. Life seems to be about surviving and eating and drinking, and doing life might be about pleasure, but. A person starts to see and say, it can't be. You know, this can't be what it is. And then when you see how humanity behaves and what happens, so it's true. There is a world of negation which is there. But for the Jewish people, we really start after that. Right? That's where Avram Avinu was, but still somewhat in the dark. He was strong enough about a truth that he was not going to go for Nimrod's theories. He was not going to go for the fire or for the water or for the sun or for the moon or the wind. 
But to be able to be part of it, that you need nevoah, that you need lech lecha. Rabbi Shapiro said, that's el ha'aretz asher ar'eka, where it says to the land that I'm going to show you, okay, without telling him where that is. On one hand, that does mean Eretz Yisrael. And the Zara Kodesh says that Am Yisrael can only truly see what they have to see in Eretz Yisrael, in its fullness. But on the other hand, he says, it really is an entire reality. Ha'aretz Ashar Ar'eka means after you are now able to receive Nevoah, to receive prophecy, you're going to look at the world in a different way. You're not going to see the world in the same way. Nevuah is a vision, but that vision changes the way you see things. It changes the way you understand things. It changes the way that you understand the world. So he says, Ar-Eka, I'm going to show you that which you were not able to see, that you were not able to understand before. So the Shem Yishmuel takes the image of the burning castle in an interesting direction. Linguistically, the Chidush Yarim, the first Gera Rebbe, he said that there's another meaning for the word Dalak. It means to run. Right? That Yaakov Avinu said to Lavan, Ki Dalakta Acharai, you ran after me. Biradoleket, he saw this thing that was all running someplace, chasing something, pursuing. The Shem Shmuel took it while quoting the Chidush Arim in that parish, he took it in a different direction. The Chidush Arim and his grandson, the Svas Emes, afterwards explained that he saw the entire universe running towards its source. Of course, in Arota Tshuva talks about this idea of the entire universe being involved in a process of Tshuva, to connect and reconnect to its source, to its beginnings. The Shemesh Mul says, I see it as running, but in the opposite direction. That the world was running to destruction and destructiveness and to corruption and that was what got Avram Avinu thinking he says it cannot be that all the powers that we're imbued with and all the resources that are here in the world are meant for that that's his idea with the birad doleket with that um, with that burning castle so I wanted to share with you a bit, a few other perushim on that medrash from the Svasemis. The Svasemis says that when Avram Avinu saw the Birad Doleket, he saw a universe that didn't seem to make sense in terms of the type of creator who made it. Right? In other words, on one hand, the world cries out Hashem's presence and his wisdom and his chesed. Levi Yitzhak of Berdichev wrote a little two-line poem. He said, Aye emtza eka, where can I find you? Kvodcha tamir v'ne'elam. Your greatness is hidden and disappeared. Va'aye lo emtza eka, and where can I not find you? Kvodcha maleolam. Your kavod fills the world. Meaning the world, and remember the Hebrew word for world has the root ayin lamed mem, which means to hide. The world on one hand reveals Hashem, but also hides Hashem. This is the meaning, the Sefer says, of that name of Hashem, Shin Dalid Yud, which is an acronym for Sha'amar Olamodai, that he said to his world, his universe, enough. 
When did Hashem say enough? The Medrash says, as Hashem was creating the universe, the universe was spreading and growing and get more beautiful and complex, and he said, die. Okay, that's it. That point of die, said Rebidal Yeshua, was the point in which you can see Hashem in the universe if you want to, or you cannot see Him if you don't want to. So here, right, imagine if Hashem gave us, His creations, a customer satisfaction survey. Okay? Are you happy with the world I create? Are you happy with your own life? Right? Is there anything you would like to change? <laughs> we would want extra pieces of paper right, to keep writing in. He would not get good reviews on TripAdvisor right, for this universe he created and for our lives that he created, which is strange, and that creates a certain anger deep inside people because you get taught, Hashem, Olam Chesed Yibaneh, created the world as a Chesed. And you say that Hashem knows everything, and Hashem can do everything. So why doesn't he give me more money? Why doesn't, you know, why didn't he give me a less funny looking nose? Why doesn't, he, endless things, why not? I would be so much happier. So this is what Avram Avinu saw in the Biradoleket. Once you're building a castle, it should be that everything's in its place and everything is fine and everything functioning. And I see a world that does has the beauty and wisdom, but also chaos and pain and all these things going on. Hashem peeped out at him and said, Ani Bal Habira, he says, you think this world is to be a place of rest in which everything is in its place. It's not. He said, this is a world of amal. It's a world of hard work. And with each thing you discover and accomplish, that leads you to your next mission. He says, ve'en naicha, and there's no rest in this world. That is the path which is there. And therefore, he says, Avram, you know what it's all about? Lech lecha. When does that stop? Never. To go on and on and on, that's the idea in this world. To keep going, it will not be comfortable. The stipler going once said, if Hashem wanted happy customers, He would have created us as cows and put us on a planet made of entirely grass and water. You see a cow that has good grass to eat and water to drink, content, just mm, happy. You know, it'd be fine. If you made a planet of those, everything would be good. But he didn't. And as the Masil Sishoyim says, aside from all the other things, he created inside of us an Ashoma that wants so much and yearns for so much and is never at rest. And that's to inspire us in our Lechlech, that we should go and that we should keep going in that way. So that's the picture of what's happening here. So let's sum up what we've heard from this, what we've gained from this. First of all, that a person sins a person's wrong turns in life have the power to awaken him. And when they do, they become positives. They become that Tal itself that awakens them. I'll share one story. I don't think there's any way to identify the person in it. It was somebody I was in a yeshiva with years ago. And um, he, he grew up in a family where they were fairly poor in a very wealthy community. And uh, his father really tried to send them to good religious schools, and his brothers went to these religious schools and also got a college degree, earned a profession, but they were never as rich as the people around them. And he really resented the fact that he had so little 
in his teenage years where the people around him had so much. So basically when he finished high school, he said, I'm out of here. He had some friends who were in business. He went into business and he started making money this way and that way and he started spending his money and going to parties here and parties there. And when I say here and there, that means like flying to Mexico for a party and flying to here for a party. And he said the one thing was his mother begged him to please still live at home. So he says he remembers at night he would be going out to party in Manhattan and his father would be sitting at the table with a safer and their eyes would meet for a second and then he would slam the door and go out. His father would look back down at his safer. And he says one night he just sat there and he was holding the phone and thinking, okay, who should I call? What should I do? Where should I go? He said, I felt so tired. I felt doesn't stop. Where's it go? I said, they were going to try yeshiva again. And that was how he came to yeshiva and I met him. He became a rabbi and made a show that he named after his father. And again, not everything goes in such a drastic thing. But it's important to realize that the levels that he reached were only because of that path that he took. That was the tal that brought out those kochot in him that were there. A student once came to Rabbi Yerucham Levavitz and he asked, why is it fair? Chazal say, Yitzro shal adam itchadesh alav b'chol yom. The Yitzhahara renews itself every day. Meaning, you have a struggle with the Yitzhahara today and you defeat it. You should be able to enjoy the fruits of your victory. Instead, the next day the Yitzhahara is here with a new test and new tactics, and you're back from zero. He said to Rabbi Rucham, he said, why is that fair? So Rabbi Rucham pointed at him, he says, because you have endless potential. So therefore, the Sahara has endless newness. Each of those interactions, each of those events are to bring out more of you. And because there's always more of you that can come out, there's always going to be more of that opposition. In a kind of terse way, the altar of Nevardak answered a student also in a similar way. A student once came to him and he wanted to, to really pour it out how bad he was. He says, you have to know the things that I think about and the things that I want to do and the thing, and all these things. So the altar stopped him and he said, listen, young man, the following formula. If something cannot become chametz, it cannot become matz. There are five types of grain, five types of grain that can become chametz. Okay, wheat, barley, oats, felt, rye. Those are the five types of grain that can become chametz. And everyone knows, and especially the ladies, right, that those grains become public enemy number one as the month of Nisan comes and we wage war on them and destroy them and decimate them if they came in contact with any water. But only those grains can become the matzah. That's the pinnacle of our mitzvah on Pesach. He says, if you couldn't go so low, you can't go so high. It's two sides of the same coin. That's what a person has to see and has to know. But along with that, we have to understand the joy of what it means when we say, thank you to Hashem for giving us the Torah, for revealing to us. Because a person, and there are people who do go through that process and become different and become nobler when they've really hit bottom or they've looked around them and they've pulled out and they've done different things. 
But the gift to Avram Avinu was Lech Lecha. The gift was Heitzitzel of Balhabira, that the master of the castle spoke with him. And he sent him He says, now you will be able to not just try to improve within the system, but you will discover the system that overlays and overrides the very system of this world that you live in. And you will live in this world in a different way and you will bring this world to its purpose. Right? By doing that. It's not that Avram Avinu checked out of the world. But even at this point where he now became different than other human beings, that mission is there to eventually bring the idea of the Atayu Kolo like we said on Rosh Hashanah. Right? The entire world will be able to connect to Hashem through Avram and through his descendants, through those people. That's the mission that he has, and we have to constantly go on that and follow it. But Moshe Shapira says you have to realize that Avram Avinu could not be left at the stage of philosophical thoughts and logical proofs because the Jewish people will have to have the fortitude, the ability to endure opposition throughout history to the extent that we saw it. The generation after generation, women, men, children, people who are uneducated, gave up their lives for Judaism. He says that cannot be done just based on the fact there's got to be more to life than this. That comes from the fact that Avram Avinu saw. And that seeing became part of our spiritual DNA. To the extent that deep inside, a Jew lives that reality from that time. That's what's meant when we say that we're ma'aminim b'nei ma'aminim. Right? I'll sing the song. Ma'aminim b'nei ma'aminim. Right? So, so that, that's what it is. That's what's there. That came from the Asherah Echo, which is there. So there are times in life in which a person finds themselves on these journeys of Avram Avinu. And the Nisyonot, the tests of Avram Avinu, are written in the Torah for us to be able to see and understand them. And Lech Lecha is one of those tests because now Avram Avinu is not simply going in his own path, but a Kodesh Baruch who's basically opening the door of a car and saying, hop in, you've got to go on an entirely different ride right now. I'll just to finish, I wanted to add in, I felt this, this was such a beautiful idea, and the question was so beautiful. And official Shechter said it in one of his shiurim. Chazal tell us here in the Midrashim that Avram and Sarah did not have children. And part of what Avram Avinu was told was that in Chutzaretz you cannot have children. You will go to Eretz Yisrael and you will have children. So he asked, so then why is that a test? Right? In other words, if we imagine right, nobody should have to be faced with the challenge of a couple struggling with infertility. And somebody tells them that they go to a doctor, he says, I know exactly what the issue is. And there's a clinic in Switzerland that can fix this issue and you'll be able to have children. These people will be very happy to take that trip to Switzerland. Why do you call that a nisayon? Right? Out of all the things, here it is, Hashem's telling them, what do you want so badly in life, children? Lechacha, go and you'll have children. We're in, why not? He said the nisayon was to not say, why is it everybody else in the world doesn't have to go on some big trip in order to have children? Why only us? Why couldn't we just be regular like everybody else? That's passing that test. Lech lecha. This is your path. 
Don't look at other people's paths. Your path is more difficult. Your path requires you to do things that other people don't do. Your path didn't come quickly or simply or easy. That's the Nisoyim. Remember, Lech Lecha. But this is your path, and that's the only path that you have to care about or think about. Many things to learn from Avram Avinu. Right? He walked before us, and we walk in his footsteps, and hopefully from these parishes we receive the guidance. Thank you all. Have a wonderful night, a wonderful weekend.